welcome to Collisions YYC. My name is Tyler Chisholm. I'm your host, and I'm absolutely ecstatic because we've made it to episode two. You're with us for the ride. For anyone who hasn't listened to episode, if you've listened to episode one, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't, please go back and take a listen. It really sets the stage. Each episode is not a prerequisite for the one after it. It's not. This isn't a mini series. <laughs> they are standalones. But uh, my conversation with Jim Gibson was fantastic. It really set the stage for the human side of transformation. What require? What's required to go forward? So go. Anyways, take a listen. Today, we've got Alex Newth. Alex is the managing director of Brightside. Brightside is an innovative, disruptive technology-based banking model that is rooted and funded and supported by ATB Financial. Alex gives us a really interesting window, not only into what it is to the woes and the highs and lows of a startup, but also what it is to do that with inside a large organization, which obviously can create low roadblocks, but also can catapult huge opportunities and, and move you forward. So join me in welcoming Alex to the show, and I hope you enjoy. So you are currently with Managing Director of Brightside with mm-hmm. ATB. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about Brightside. Yeah, so Brightside um, is actually ATB's new Skunk Works project. So we're building effectively a financial institution inside of ATB. So it's a bit of an entrepreneurship type venture. So uh, we set out about two years ago, um, maybe a little bit under that, to try to figure out what it would look like if we actually built a brand new startup uh, within the four walls of ATB to go after new customer segments, to really differentiate ourselves on technology uh, and modernize our tech stack, modernize our approach, and really just do things differently uh, to really reinvent ourselves from the inside out. We knew that we have a lot of disruption coming with big uh, technology players and and new competitive entrants. And so we said, how could we just do this that we cannibalize ourselves and and aren't um, kind of on the the wrong end of receiving all the change that's going to be happening inevitably. (laughs) Have it done to you versus being part of the, yeah, because it's coming whether you like it. Yeah. the The future's already arrived. It's just not evenly distributed. Exactly. So curious from, because I think it's relevant to, you know, our talk today is kind of what's going on specifically Western Canada, but more specifically in Calgary from a, you know, quote unquote transformation perspective, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about. But curious, in an organization like that, an initiative like that comes down like that's from the top, but it's also, it's got to be ingrained because those, those initiatives sometimes are big ideas in organizations, but they often die in the vine. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting. ATB has blown me away. Uh, It was one of the reasons I actually joined, um, out of consulting was I was looking for the right place to come back to in Calgary. Okay. And, and we could talk about that a little bit too, but I think sometimes a lot of the companies here don't take as many risks as they should. And so when I was looking at ATB, it was one of the companies I could see that actually was taking risks, whether it was investing in blockchain, um, investing in transformation and agile and really trying to reinvent the technology. They're not um, held up on sunk costs. They're really trying to figure out how to grow skill sets to be different and have a lot of really great initiatives that they try. So it was kind of one of those companies where you could see them with great ideas and then they put their hands up and then they go do them. And that was something that attracted me to it. So it was definitely a top-down initiative. That being said, it was and still is fully adopted across the whole organization as kind of behind this initiative to make sure it's successful. Because you came from a consultant, you were from you were mm-hmm. at Accenture. Yes. How long? Yeah. Were you, how many years there? Four years. And international experience. I saw mm-hmm. Colombia. I saw China. I saw some. Again, yeah. you get old creepy LinkedIn. You can check everything <laughs> out. So what I know about you, I learned on the on the internet. Um, so you must have got exposed to a lot of different, like one cultural mm-hmm. uh, for sure, and also mindsets. And I liked what you said quickly. You just said like they don't get overinvested in sunk costs, mm-hmm. and that is so easy to do as an organization. Well, we've gone totally. this far down the path, so we can't change. And as a consultant, you must have encountered that on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things um, too, and one of the reasons I really wanted to come back was 
when I looked at international companies, I worked mostly actually in the oil and gas space when I was in consulting. But when you're working with some of the big super majors, they took a lot more risk than we did here in Calgary. And so there'd be initiatives that we'd be talking about with senior executive teams in Houston around innovation and investments. And then we'd come back to Calgary and start talking about them. And there'd be a little bit of, oh, well, we'll wait on that. Or that's a five-year or 10-year horizon investment. But we're sitting there saying, there's a company that's doing this already. This isn't a five-year away thing. This is a thing that people are doing today. And so that was really frustrating um, to see the speed and the investment and the risk-taking and even the investment in innovation and not just solvents and downhole innovation, but the real digital process innovation that was happening everywhere else, just not here. Uh, and that was one of the things that was most frustrating for me is because I'd go work Monday through Thursday, um, doing these really cool projects and solving these really complex problems for big organizations and then come back to Calgary on Friday. And it almost felt like a, a slowdown. Um, that's in interesting. Terms of what so we're let's go right, right, let's go right at it a little bit. What do you think? Like, what do you think drove that? Like, obviously you've thought about, cause when you're frustrated about something, it tends yeah, to, uh, to take exactly. up some mind space. <laughs> what do you think was behind that? That's, I think that's a really interesting observation. Yeah. I've talked about it a lot. Um, and I think part of it is Maybe leadership. Uh, I, I keep trying to figure it out too. I, I think part of it, when I look at ATB and why it's been so successful, was it was really great leadership at the top okay. that was that kind of visionary CEO. I think that um, honestly, we got a little bit lazy, and I think everyone says that about the oil industry, uh, but we didn't have as many kind of tech visionaries that hit the C-suite uh, in kind of our bigger industries. Okay. It was more the operators, the the strong engineers, which we needed. But we didn't have those people that were saying, what if we did things very different? What if we totally reinvented ourselves? What if we looked different in three years than we do today? And do we have the appetite for that? Um, so I think a lot of it came down to that. Uh, and also, I think our, our shareholder kind of structures and boards, I, I think we ask a little bit less of our companies too. Uh, a lot of the international companies and boards are asking a lot more of their CEOs to actually talk about cybersecurity and um, innovation and all these risks and have answers to it much more than I think our companies locally were. Interesting. And, and do you think that was maybe a symptom of things where I'll just say, quote unquote, so good for so long? I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Like when, yeah, don't rock the boat. We're making money. Like, let's just, let's don't just fix us up broken. Yeah, yes, yeah. completely. Stop. Yeah. Don't be disruptive or, you know, it's cause it's scary and it's also risky. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're making money and then you do something risky, you look kind of foolish. But if you're, yeah, but then all of a sudden you stop making money, then why weren't you doing things risky six months ago or six years ago? Really, that's the challenge around that. So a lot of what we like to, what, what we're aiming to talk about in this podcast is is the concept of transformation. And you hear a lot of rhetoric and a lot of talk out there right now that Calgary needs mm-hmm. to transform. So from your perspective, you're in an organization who is, but I do appreciate you're from Calgary, you traveled abroad, and you're back, mm-hmm. and you kind of touched on that. What do you think transformation means or what what is that term? Where does that resonate for you, like even from a Calgary perspective right mm-hmm. now? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of talk about diversification. That's the easy answer that I think everyone's saying is that we need to diversify our industries. And we are starting to see a lot of that. For me, I think we have so much great skills and so much experience in the energy industry. I think it's just about figuring out a new place for us there, to be honest. Okay. Um, and I think that's where I kind of see an opportunity for Calgary is that we've got... We've, we've operated in some of the toughest energy environments. We've got some great skills, great talent. It's about figuring out what that new version of that talent needs to look like, as opposed to saying, all these engineers need to go become coders now in the tech space. I know, which you hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Like, just go upskill and then everything will be fine, um, which is... So you're, that is not the answer from your perspective? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I think at the same time, if um, we can figure out how to build companies 
that um, take the energy industry to the next level or more around being expansionist. And that's one of the things that I think is more transformative for us is I think Calgary sometimes falls in and, and Alberta a little bit too, falls into a bit of navel gazing. And so we think that our borders start and stop um, on either side of Alberta. And we don't always think about what can we sell elsewhere? How do we get outside of the province? How do we bring what we have now and sell it somewhere else? So for me, I'd say it's more around being um, more globally minded and saying what can we sell that other people want, whether okay. it's data and analytics and experience in the energy industry um, and some of our technical knowledge, but also how do we take more risks? And I think those are just the two things that we need to transform. A um, little bit less on the which industry specifically. I think cannabis has huge opportunity for Alberta. Right. Yep. Um, tech has a huge opportunity for Alberta. But I think it's more about how do we actually get the culture of risk-taking and the culture of not thinking that our markets are here. Mm. So limited, and it comes right down to whether it's a bit, you know, thinking about it, like running it like a business of who who has, who wants what we need, whose problem yeah. can can we solve? Yeah. And it's so interesting. And, you know, last guest I had on, Jim Gibson, he talked a lot about that transformation concept of like, it just had to start with a belief structure mm-hmm. and, and a different mindset, you know, and it's easy to look outwardly where really it's like, what are you willing to give up from a paradigm to go, hmm, you know, it's hard to think about what you've never thought about before. Yeah, totally is. Yeah. <laughs> and you said it from a leadership perspective. So, who there's lots of little pockets and another part of this kind of the goal of this the, this podcast is to create a little bit more collisions because there's mm-hmm. a lot of things going on out there that I don't think everybody knows about or hears about because like so many of us we put our head down and our ass up mm-hmm. and we don't tell the story yeah. <laughs> we do the, we do the work what do you see going on out there that maybe from your perspective is representative outside of what you guys because I think ATB is a really good example mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that a bit more what else do you see going on what other initiatives or who else is kind of leading that charge of new thinking yeah I, I think it's really awesome to see we've had a lot of really good success stories I think in the last few months, whether it's Solium um, or Garmin coming into Calgary, mm-hmm. there's some really great stories. So I'm really excited about some of those companies that are choosing to invest here, who are having success stories here, because I think once you have a few more of those, people start to say, oh, maybe it is possible to do a company here, or maybe I could move a company here. So just that's starting to create a little bit of uh, momentum, I'd say. There's a lot of events, uh, for sure, um, whether it's Rainforest or Startup Calgary or all these other events. Um, there's a lot going on. I'm really interested in the AI space, too. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff. That's a reoccurring Alberta. theme that's coming around, yeah. for sure. Yeah, my last guest, that's what he really said, like the amount of data that we have access to yeah. from an industrial perspective, and that the world is going in that direction. We are so ripe for that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. and Edmonton's really invested in it um, with Amy, the uh, Alberta Institute Machine Intelligence, and um, Deep Learning, and all the kind of kind of forward thinking pieces that they're doing there with Google and DeepMind. And it's, it's just super cool what they're doing. Um, I think we need to kind of figure out for Calgary, what's our thing okay. that's like that. And I've noticed that cause I've heard, I have some friends are spending some time in Edmonton and they're like, it's a different vibe here. There's things going on. I'm hearing that. And as a Calgary, and I'm like, well, what the heck's wrong with us? Like, what are we doing? What are, what are we not doing? <laughs> I think we're just too scared. It seems like there's um, a little bit of, it's very grassroots. So there's almost a fear of over-investing in something. Um, so we kind of dip our toes in to say, what if we did a major that kind of talked about analytics versus saying, we're going to over-invest and be the place for deep learning um, in the world. It's scary. Yeah, it's really scary to kind of pick something and make a bet. Um, but So we're kind of making a lot of bets, I think, and very kind of 
small bets versus Edmonton and some of the other places that have really been able to uh, transform themselves. They make big bets uh, into different things. And so right. I think we just need a few more big bets. It's challenging going that all in. We talked about last time, we talked about what's happened in Montreal with AI mm-hmm. and how they kind of really went all in. And, you know, the Quebec government, I grew up in Montreal, so I'm very familiar with that. The Quebec government kind of be almost stifling sometimes, but that ability to get so involved is what actually allowed them to kind of provide a baby a little bit of that leadership and some of the mm-hmm. funding. <laughs> totally. They, put, they wrote a check. <laughs> they wrote a check, but they really went all in on it. And you mm-hmm. look back and that joke, one of my last guests, he said, we're, we're 10 years late to a 20 year plan. So let's get going. <laughs> and I think too, we, we do a little bit of, um, we look around and see what other places are doing and then kind of copy it. And I see it happen a little bit with our post-secondary institutions mm. um, and companies where, oh, everyone else has a head of innovation or everybody else is doing an entrepreneurship program or commercialization program. Let's also do it versus us kind of saying, what's the white space that nobody else is really doing in, in this kind of ecosystem and let's go own that space. So if we're, we're talking all the right things about innovation and design thinking and everything, but we're not actually doing it on ourselves. Oh, that's interesting. That's challenging. That's strategic thinking versus the doing and just start like, okay, we have an innovative program over here. Okay, we're funding this. Like you said, just tasking it out mm-hmm. a little bit and getting into the doing, the, the tactics versus the actual strategic thinking. Exactly. Oh, it's a little bit of like a yeah. copy and paste plan um, from other cities versus us saying, who are the right people? And I haven't seen kind of a think tank or anything like that come together, but what, how do we create this ecosystem um, and really get the right people thinking about that? And then where do we place our strategic bets? holistically across multiple groups it's a little bit disjointed right now and is that do you see that as do you like again i'll get into it is that government is it business is it is it it's a team effort which maybe is the easy Mm -hmm. one to lean on what do you what do you think what's your what's your view of it yeah clearly put some thought into this that's why we're (laughs) chatting today i think it's all of it i think um when you look at other places and and a lot of people will kind of say let's look at denver and see what they did versus calgary or what silicon valley did or how do you create like an israel like israel's known for their cybersecurity. how do you do that Um, I think part of it is government, but I think a lot of it's actually companies. Mm -hmm. When companies say, when they go to the universities and say, we're starting this program, governments, we need this support. I think a lot of it is companies kind of leading the way, to be honest. I'm not maybe a big believer in government always being able to herd everyone together and give that strategic vision in that direction, but we need some sort of leadership somewhere. And I think it comes with the people that can invest in it, which would be our larger companies. Hopefully we get a startup and hopefully we get a unicorn that can do that. That's a longer term horizon. We have a lot of huge companies here that could do it. Uh, we just need somebody to have that kind of visionary leadership to say, I'm going to be the one to invest in that. And it's interesting that, you know, kind of Alberta always being a bit of a maverick style, like that oil and gas. Like mm-hmm. it was guys just like, get out of my way. I'm going to get it done. And we did, we were known for something, the oil and gas sector. But now that the reality of the world has changed, how do we make that? How do we make that pivot off of our heels a little bit, which just feels yeah, like where we are right now? Definitely. Mm-hmm. So talking a little bit about the work you're doing at, at, at ATB, because again, who's, who's been around longer than oil and gas? The banking sector yes. <laughs> and you know who's been doing the things the same way for a long time and there's been pockets of change and a lot of times you see it, sometimes it's a, it's a campaign or, an, or a messaging that the banks put out yeah. there you being inside an organization that's also inside an industry that's that's not known for being revolutionary, but it's being forced into it. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, just thinking about it from that perspective, because you're inside that bubble, but yet doing something very, very different. Yeah. Um, what... What worked? What were the biggest, I guess, what were the biggest hurdles for you? Because you came into this role, it's only a couple of years, I think three years in. Mm -hmm. What were the biggest things that kind of got in your way? Because I think there might be some parallels here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say the biggest things um, that were hard for us was probably, again, the mindset piece. Okay. The amount of times we 
heard, well, we can't do that because of regulatory reasons or because we're, we're a regulated, regulated industry, so therefore we can't. The rules are why we can't change, yes. Yeah, absolutely. and when you kind of break them down, and I remember early on we were trying to just figure out our account opening process, and there's a lot of um, kind of legacy thinking and just kind of ingrained thinking about that process. And we sat down, and my first team was not a group of bankers um, at all. That was one of the rules is that we weren't going to have people that were going to say this is how you do things. We sat down and we looked at that process and started challenging it. And then we actually realized the regulation wasn't accurate. Um, like the perception of the regulation wasn't accurate. And if you were actually just trying to meet the minimum requirements, you could actually create a really great customer experience while still hitting those requirements. But there's all these ideas of, well, you have to do this. And when you dig, there was no actual reason why you had to do it. Except it's the way it's always, it's the perception of the way it's always been done. And it's just perception. Um, and so a lot of times that was happening. And I think too, a little bit of the, not wanting to put your head up. And, and I would say, and maybe we haven't had a lot of challenges yet, to be honest, um, in terms of kind of adoption and things. So I can just talk about some of the things that did work for us. But we, we went and talked to companies in Silicon Valley. When we were going around trying to figure out how to do this, we didn't sit there and ask companies around us. We weren't navel-gazing on that. We went to Europe and we talked to other banks that had done this before. We went to Silicon Valley and talked to Slack and Spotify and Workday and all these leading companies about how they set up their agile shops. We weren't trying to do it ourselves. We weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, and we weren't asking people that had the same problems as us. We were trying to not make the same mistakes right. by talking to people that had been there before. And I think that really helped us uh, in a lot of ways because we could actually say, there's a path to reinvent ourselves that actually isn't that risky because look at the hundreds that have come before us. Just none of them are here. Well, and you guys traded off the fact that there's a, there's a certain level of experience that I demand as a customer mm -hmm. that I'm getting all of these other places. Exactly. You know, I do, I talk to companies about customer centricity and, you know, when's Amazon your, your competitor? Like, no, we're not in that space. I'm like, yes, but they just came off buying something that took them 30 seconds to buy and the convenience factor. And now they go to your website or you call your customer service and meet resistance. Mm -hmm. You don't think that you're competing? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately you are. <laughs> exactly. And it's not enough for us to say, well, we're Calgary or we're local or no. um, our industry can't because consumers are holding us that same standard. Your app can't break uh, at the same time. And, and then sometimes there's two uptime is one that we talk about a lot. Instagram is down for I think a day a couple weeks ago, but everyone still uses it too. And so just kind of figuring out where to invest and how to take it from the HBR article that you read and turn it into what actually matters in the market and look at precedents to say, did uptime kill this company? It didn't. Um, so maybe you don't need to put all the money into that one aspect or that one part of your tech stack. So it's kind of interesting to have those conversations as opposed to just kind of saying, well, in traditional IT organizations, you need these certain things to be in place. But how do you just really step back and say, what are some of the leading companies doing and what are the mistakes they're making and did those mistakes even hurt them? And are we trying to be too safe? That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. And how much did you, uh, how much was the customer? And I'm assuming you guys have been doing focus groups, talking to people, mm -hmm. reaching out. Because mm -hmm. again, we think we know, and that's often the mistake we make. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was an, another huge thing. Um, and it's really interesting too, I think for Calgary, where we have a lot of B2B type mm -hmm. yes. um, organizations and also oil and gas, where you don't really have an end consumer. 
the the thought that very different than a transactional bank or selling something at the end of the run. Yeah, <laughs> there's a thought that the, there's not a customer, but there is. It's still employees. It's still users. Still it's humans. Still it's still a big people. group of humans. Yeah. Um, so we've done a lot of that kind of human centered design for sure. We bring customers in about twelve a week that we do one on one interviews with. We have a community where we do research, uh, do lots of quantitative research. We are very heavily indexing the customer um, feedback and things because we've had some of our favorite ideas on my team have been killed by customers. We were like, this is going to be amazing. It's totally going to work. Customers are going to love it. And then customers say, I absolutely hate it. Uh, and then we test it again and again, try to make it have some life. Um, and we don't want to admit it. And then finally it just dies again. <laughs> that is such of the human psyche of the opposite, uh, kind of the scientific method of like come with something and then try to disprove it versus trying to look for things that'll validate it. I yeah. think there's a little bit of that going on in Calgary right now. There's totally. lots of like, we think this is going to be great, but you know, the classic inventor in his basement, it's the most amazing thing ever. And once I release it, it'll fly off. But you, you're not talking to anybody. You're not engaging. Just how do we do that? Mm-hmm. What does that look like as a, you know, as a, as a city, as a province? Cause you know, that's like you said before, who's going to lead that charge? Cause you guys are, you know, a controlled group and you've got a mandate and you're, and you're, you know, actioning it out. What does that look like for a city? Yeah, that's a really great question. I I think part of it too, is that we, even on, if we kind of think about it, like as Calgary having, I I think Calgary has a bit of a marketing problem and Alberta has a bit of a marketing problem. Um, We don't really talk about ourselves. We don't talk about how great it is to live here. Pseudo Canadian. Well, Chuck, she's, you know, golly gee, I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah. And well, I did my master's at Queens and people were like, Oh, you live in Alberta. Oh, <laughs> like kind of judging a little bit. And you're like, no, it's fantastic. I'm an hour from the mountains. <laughs> Cowboy hats and stampede. Yeah, yeah what you get. we've got one of the only international industries in the entire country. Um, it's a great place, but people don't really see that. And so I think for us, it's not thinking that we all know that Alberta is a great place. Because one thing for us all to agree it is and keep it as a really good little secret. It's another thing to go out and say, how do we market this um, outside of just tourism? In places like Toronto, in places like uh, Vancouver, how do we right. start to share the message about what it can be and also reinforce it, I think, with real things, whether it's uh, government grants, credits, you know, some sort of tax incentives, the whole Amazon thing. I, I think if we had given a little bit more, maybe we would have had a, a fighting chance. It's not about just kind of tooting our own hand and putting our hand up and saying we're great. It's about saying we're great and here's all the things that we're going to offer almost as a promotion to come here and how do we go talk to those places and actually figure out and be customer centric about it? Like what are the issues that Toronto has with us and how do we attract those people? Not just yeah, how do just we... Saying we're, Cause it's not just saying we're great. Cause so what? Like, yeah. Put what, up your yeah, flag. Yeah. Yeah. No, what's the substance around it? Uh, what do you think? I'm really, I'm going to put, I'm, I'm just drilling in and putting you on the spot more and more <laughs> with these questions. Um, what do you think <laughs> some of those things would need to be to get that traction? Cause I'm in Toronto all the time. We have an office there and Oh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Oh, you have an office here. Right. Okay. That's all that matters. And we're not even going to talk about that. So what, what do you see or what's a handful of things that you think would really start to get some traction or what initiatives mm-hmm. could we put forward around that? Yeah, it's interesting. One of the, um, so Dave Mowat, our old CEO, he mm-hmm. um, talked about this a lot. It was one of the things he was super passionate about. And I remember him saying one of the things that he thought, and I, I really did agree with it, was that the government um, really needs to make some investments to show that they're different. So he said, what if, um, so ATB and actually the city of Edmonton went through a transformation to go all, all in Google G Suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, away from Microsoft. And so... I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. And so people, again, you're, you're a bank, you're not allowed to be in the cloud and you can't use Google. And we're like, it's way more safe than us having our own servers. Of course we can. So we went over to G Suite and, and so did the city of Edmonton. But he's like, what if the city of... Or all of Alberta did that? What if the city of Calgary did that? What if we showed 
we're not just saying we're innovative, but we are. Don't, don't, yeah, don't tell me, show me. Yeah, and like, let's invest in some of those things. Let's partner with Google. That's an interesting example. Yeah, let's actually show that our processes are different. Let's show that our operations are different. Let's show that our tech is different. Let's really show how we show up differently um, in really meaningful ways and get on the radar, do more PR. I mean, saying that a province moves to to Google is really cool. Um, that would get some heads turning. And what else? That's a really interesting. That's a great answer. Thank you. That, yeah. And you what else? You got my head spinning. Like, <laughs> like what? What other kind of proof points or examples could we have where all of a sudden it's not just like kind of this old school place? It's you can go there and apply for a business license on G Suite with a Google Form or something like that. Like, how do we? And actually get it in a certain period of time, and you know all the customer yeah. service experiences that we expect from every other platform that we engage with. Yeah. So I think some of those things, and I think our universities too. I think being a little bit more industry focused in our universities. Okay. Would be one area that I kind of see as an opportunity. Um, you look at some of the other universities investing in creative destruction labs. And I know you mm-hmm. see us as well, but yes. are there other places that we could be um, over investing and doing things really differently um, to really get people wanting to be here, offering a program that is unique in Canada that you couldn't do anywhere else. And pulling people in from that perspective and then having yeah. something for them afterwards. Exactly. I think that is huge. It's not the come here and leave kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we partner with a lot of kind of coding schools and things like that in Vancouver. Um, and it's sometimes it's hard to attract them here because they get one job here, but then when you lose that job, is there going to be another one? Um, right. And so talent is a really hard part for us. So figuring out, and that would probably be our biggest hurdle is talent, but how do you figure out... Is that your guys' biggest gap in terms of what you're working so. on, talent? Yeah, and so how do you grow the talent here? How do you keep the talent? How do you attract the talent? Um, and how do you just market all those pieces of it uh, so people know that it's a great place to be? I love what you said about using those kind of like, you know, flagpole kind of activities, not just a flag on a flagpole. Mm-hmm. You know, doing something like the G Suite one. I think that's such a great example because everything that falls out of, wow, what the mindset must be there for them to have done that, then therefore this. And you don't have to tell a whole story. You just do the one action, which is no easy task. I, I understand it. Mm-hmm. But the impact of that from a, like what it says about you, that's yeah. huge. And there's a lot of countries and places that have reinvented themselves and um, I'm trying to remember which one did the blockchain digital passports. Like anybody could become a citizen of them. I think oh, I didn't hear about that. Um, Estonia. Uh, and so they... I have a couple of friends who are Estonian. And I, I'm going like, to ask them about that. Yeah. You can apply for a citizenship and get it um, on the blockchain. And they've got some really cool things like that that they're doing for PR uh, within the regions that they're trying to attract people to. And I think we could do a lot of things like that that could be really, really cool about how do we really... What would it look like if Alberta uh, or someone from Alberta was on a stage at a conference, at a tech conference, talking about what we did for our province? Um, if you took that mindset and that end game, as what would it look like? And what a great story! We like we were in, a, like we were in the longest downturn we've ever had. Things weren't great. Here's the things we did: these more broad sweeping uh, actions that made a difference. Mm-hmm. That's newsworthy. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, in our in our world, there's kind of the pay, don't, and earn. Do you pay for people to hear yeah. your story? Do you own the platform, or did you actually earn it? And earn it yeah. is always better. It's more, totally. tr- it's more trusted. No, that's an interesting perspective. I like I like looking at it from, because you know, it's easy to sit behind closed doors like we are today and talk about it. And you know, luckily this we're going to broadcast it out and get people <laughs> to think about it. But so many people I talk to, like, oh yeah, I'm involved with this initiative. Like I've never heard of it. What is it? Well, it's a bunch of you know ten or twelve or fifty really successful people sitting in a room talking about stuff. But how does that get out, or how does that mm-hmm. become newsworthy, and make that transition? So as a city, what do you look for? You, you know, you moved back obviously because of an employer. Like mm-hmm. kind of like you're kind of living that exact story. You came back because someone was doing something. What do you see as kind of the measurables that we need to look at as just everyday people going like, okay, there's a lot of talk. I still know 20 people that don't have a job. What do you think are the KPIs that we could start to look at Mm -hmm. as a city or that we should be looking at as a city? Yeah, I think, again, just 
if people are moving here. I think that's a pretty good indication. Yeah, the net new migration is a big one. I'm really, I'm a big fan of not listening to what people say and seeing what they do. Um, <laughs> and we do that a lot with our customers too. It's one thing to say that everyone's going to love your product. Um, and that's even if you're getting out of your, your walls, but it's another thing to actually see if they buy it. <laughs> yes, um, it so if they're going to buy Alberta, <laughs> what does that look that's like? It's nice to buy in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when do, you're moving somewhere, you buy, you, you buy in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you buy in. And so I would look for that. Are we seeing a churn where we are getting younger people and some of these ta- this type of talent actually coming here? Um, are we actually seeing investments in this space um, and changes in our workforce mix? Are we getting more technology um, people moving here and actually investing? So I'd look at that and also just the number of bets and successes that we're having. So we need more soleums, we need more garments, we need more of these because it can't just be like the four or five that we rattle or more ATBs. Like we need right. more of this sort of stuff. I heard the other day, like, last guys we were talking about, he said, we need a thousand startups. Yeah. Just because of what's going to fall out and how many, you know, you get a flyer in there. But if we don't have the numbers and we don't have that kind of volume, we're never going to get there. Yeah. You know? and it does think, become a numbers game to a certain totally. extent. And I think too, the number of initiatives that are interesting and it's hard to kind of quantify interesting, but that big companies are taking. And one of the things like, honestly, with ATB, I've got, we've got about 125 people now that are working on this initiative. That's new jobs. That's new talent. That's a new mindset for a whole group of people that didn't exist. A startup hitting that scale within a year is very challenging. So the more kind of initiatives... That's, you went from one to 125 in 12 months? About um, six to about 125 in about a year and a half. That's impressive. Like yeah. If you look at it as a pure startup. So back to your point of like, only because you were supported inside the, the kind of the mothership yeah. of the large organization where there was funding and there was a belief. And That's impressive a of, numbers. And there's That's a bit great. of safety too because you're yes. not um, totally trying to find net new product market fit. You're not taking all that risk on. And so there's less reward for sure. And you're not out doing funding rounds, I'm assuming no. either. You're no, focusing exactly. on actually developing the product. Yeah, and then we're building really noticeable changes in mindset within the company and those 125 people are all going to disperse whether it's at ATB or into other places and bring that mindset forward with them. So I think the more, I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship and it's something that a lot of organizations and even the university, because I'm always harping on them a little bit to start something around entrepreneurship that they don't really invest in and people don't talk about as much. But more, and I was talking with a, a couple organizations that are starting to think about dabbling in this sort of space. But I think the more kind of innovation initiatives, investments in those spaces, um, skunk works projects, things like that, that we start seeing from the big organizations in Calgary, that will be a pretty big proof point that senior leadership that kind of really define a lot of Calgary's success are really investing in the right things and that those people will be able to do the right things. Um, And it's one thing to have a a thousand startups with one person, or you could have... yes. 20 kind of big initiatives and big organizations with the right mindset and the right investment and getting that mindset. And now you've got thousands and thousands of people that are really doing things differently. It's interesting that mindset, that entrepreneurship. I was talking with uh, Alex Pudisi who runs Work Nicer, and he talked about. They said about I think it was twenty or thirty percent of their of their membership was from larger companies that were getting space to allow people to go offsite mm-hmm. and kind of get into a different cultural environment, get in different collisions, running into yeah. different people, and kind of getting out from under your culture that maybe isn't as bent towards innovative as you want to. Maybe the word on the wall says you are, yeah. uh, which is often the case because change is tough and change mm-hmm. scares people. Totally. What's going to happen? Am I going to lose? You know, it takes a different, it's, it's, it's definitely a mindset. And sometimes that entrepreneurship, you've got to get out from under the culture and given that opportunity to try something new. Yeah. And I don't think it's enough for us to have pockets of it in the startup communities and, right. and kind of, you know, in the, the cool industrial spaces that we've got people that are doing the right thing. How meaningful would it be if we had one of our large oil companies 
do something meaningful or if we had one of the big, another big bank do something really meaningful here, that would be huge. Um, and it would really create a precedent for change that I think would, um, and then inspire people that are in these more safe jobs to take a bit of risk too, and show that you can do that. Um, and you can come up with ideas within your organization that are really going to progress the industry and the companies that you're in. I think what you said is powerful. Make it make it safe in the right way. It's always risky, but if if I look at you as, as your leader and say, hey, don't worry, this is, you're okay. Like, mm-hmm. I'll take the fear away from the base of the pyramid and go, no, we've got trust. We're going to go out. If you fail, that's okay because we're going to learn so exponentially from that and be yeah. deliberate about that. And the fail or not fail culture, that's that's ingrained still pretty deep in our society. It really is. We and didn't get it right. Oh no, we're a failure. Like, wow, but we learned. No, no, you failed. Let's yeah. forget about the learning. And Calgary's very entrepreneurial, but I think there is still a little bit of that fear um that I think, exists I think you're right. mm-hmm. yeah and because a little of the boom bust and so nobody wants to be in a bust even personally and so there's just kind of this cycle no it's fun to talk about but then when you're in it <laughs> yeah. and you have a mortgage and you have a family and you have people to support and people that rely on you and like i'm going to take a huge risk that's a challenge <laughs> yeah exactly but you know what isn't a risk these days yeah exactly <laughs> well, what, what is the such thing as, as as a safe job so in terms of your giving you know listeners a little bit of you know preview into your life what are some of the initiatives that you're involved in outside of atb things that people things that you would want to get on people's uh on people's mindset yeah for sure um I, i'm involved in a number of things locally um to be fair, I think a lot of them are, a lot of events are happening. And so yep. like, definitely it's good to go to all those events and, and get exposure, um, whether it's through Rainforest, which I mentioned. Um, I'm part of the Queen's Venture Network, so they're bringing in um, VCs and things like that to help people kind of learn what does it look like to get funding. Um, there's a lot of just great support systems, Mob Squad, and a lot of co-working um, mm-hmm. options in Calgary. Uh, I think the big thing, though, too, is, is just trying to figure out um, find those groups of people that are, are really trying to create that change and then get outside of even Calgary to go talk about those As things. you said like, earlier back yeah, at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, like uh, to be honest, um, and I think this is actually one of the problems and I'll just be honest because I, I typically am. I, I actually don't Please do not hold back. <laughs> yeah, like I actually don't go to a lot of the startup events to be really okay. honest because I find that right now it's a lot of people looking for jobs um, and sometimes I don't have those jobs or I'm there to learn and you know, it's a lot of people that, again, the kind of navel gazing thing where, you know, it's not progressing the thinking or it's not the challenging topics yet. It's still kind of, we're very infancy stage. Right. So I find um, a lot of people I connect with also don't go to a lot of those events. Um, and so it's, it's kind of sad because you've got people that are doing these great things that aren't that's that, that feels so it feels like such a missed opportunity that feels like such it a is. gap it is it's just again you i hear you loud down, and clear yeah. Um, yeah and then you know if i've got the opportunity to go down to silicon valley and spend yes. you know a couple of days with some of these companies versus you know going to a networking event um or, or having to prioritize that it's hard to do right now so i would say um, i'm still kind of looking for that right place to even contribute into calgary uh, to be really honest. Okay. Um, and I spent a lot of time at the university too around kind of technology management and trying to help the university um, think about what industry is looking for within the technology management space. And, and that's something that I'm really passionate about. But I don't think we have a lot of answers yet. And I haven't really found those great places that really kind of would take someone that's got this great idea and really kind of help push them into a new place uh, okay. with that idea. Yes. Even with like the CDLs or the like, not you're not feeling no this is what yeah. this this is what this conversation is about and yeah. the reason we even got this started is you know my, the feeling that there isn't these conversations going on it that there is still this gap so i'm glad you're being like just super upfront about it yeah it is amazing when you go out i was in silicon valley in the fall uh for a couple of days and just the vibe and like but what i brought back 
to even my own organization, it wasn't navel gazing anymore. It was looking at a whole, I just, I got a different way of a different paradigm and it was huge mm-hmm. impact, but I had to get out to see that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and kind of that energy is a little bit missing still. It's kind of people are still tentative a little bit and we, we're doing the investments, but again, we're doing the investments really safe. And so, um, and, and that's the hard part too, is I'll, I'll always listen to a pitch if someone's got a, a business idea, whether it's from the university or somewhere else uh, and they're Calgary based, but the amount of fintechs or, or partners, even Canada based, that we've been able to partner with is, is small, um, just because there isn't that same kind of fire or that energy yet. Um, and you have to still make business decisions on of it. Of course. Um, so, a lot of your partners that you've been forced, I'll say, be blunt about it, been forced to work with are, have not been in this market, even, even Canadian exactly. market. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Our core banking platforms out of South America. Most of our partners are, most of the, the softwares that we're using are all, um, the SaaS companies are all in Silicon Valley, San Francisco. We've got one that we're talking to that's in Vancouver now, which is really exciting, but most of them have not been. Because for you guys, you're only going to be as good as your partners. Yes, exactly. To the table. So the bright side initiative, just so I understand a little bit about it, is it is it going to be its own standalone thing or is it a new mindset that's going to permeate? Because you kind of said both mm-hmm. and it probably is going to be both. Yeah. But yeah, what is it just so we get our heads wrapped around? Because again, I'm very familiar with ATB. I think you guys mm-hmm. do amazing work. I hadn't heard about bright side. Yeah. So when I started leaning in with your your background, I was like, oh, what is this? I was really excited to learn about yeah. it. So it's uh, it will be by ATB. So it's a separate brand, uh, but okay. it is a completely separate app. So we're focusing on customer segment that ATB okay. right now doesn't serve as well. Um, so think about it. I hate using millennials, not really millennials. <laughs> I was um, waiting how long no, you were going to dance around that word. <laughs> no, no, I hate that word. <laughs> uh, but it's really around people that are kind of living paycheck to paycheck where a lot of banks would typically gloss over them. Um, okay. So we're trying to... You're not, you're not considered their A client list. And, exactly. And then and therefore they treat you accordingly. Exactly. And so we're trying to figure out what does it look like when um, somebody, how do you serve customers that are in that space? Because there's a lot of Albertans that actually actually are. Um, and even though, you know, the bank might want them to look a certain way, we're just trying to figure out how to let them be who they are. So one of our big promises, meet the customer where they're at. Yeah. One of our big promises is customer segment is, uh, we'll treat you as you are, not as you should be. We're not trying to tell you Mm. to retire on a sailboat, at the age of 70, and that's what success looks like. The classic photo. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't have to go through every life stage the same way, get a house, get married, have kids. Like It doesn't need to look that way. There's a lot of different... Well, that formula is changing all the time. It is, Uh, but a lot of the banks haven't really responded to that experience. So um, it's a digital-only app that's... uh, We're going to have savings products, uh, as well as kind of a really cool card product for spending uh, that gives rewards on people's money. So um, more like a debit card type product with rewards on it. Uh, as well as some lending app products as well. Uh, and then hopefully we'll kind of figure out how that model works. And we're supposed to have a totally different cost structure, totally different tech stack uh, than ATB, and then start to bring some of those learnings back to ATB uh, in the next few years. And we're hoping to do our beta launch, we're hoping by about August this year. Oh, so soon. Yeah. I was going to ask that because mm-hmm. yeah, no, I know it's not live yet. It's such an interesting opportunity. You touched on it about the startup inside a larger organization. So immediately from the outside, if there's any skepticism, as soon as it's kind of backed by ATB, yeah. you've got some, you know, kind of that shine off the main brand, which is arguably a very trusted brand in Alberta, mm-hmm. I would say. Exactly. So you're, and, and you're a startup with, with not, yeah. Yeah. How so? Uh, Canadians, again, are very risk-averse. Ah, so yes, it was totally really interesting yep. because we watched a lot of these challenger banks in Europe and, and the U.S., and they didn't need to do that. But the second we got here, we tested um, our brand with not having the ATB backing, and it just wasn't the same. Uh, Canadians are like, well, I don't know where my money's going to be. Immediately skeptical. Exactly. So oh, we are leveraging ATB because it's a great brand, and ATB's got a lot of uh, amazing things. Like We're lucky that we can also tap into the subject matter expertise 
at ATB whenever we need. If we don't know how to do um, a certain part of a process, we have a million phone friends uh, immediately there. <laughs> nice. So it's really awesome. Uh, we're not just trying to figure it out um, slowly. Like we can actually move really fast because we've got access to a lot of people. I love the entrepreneur, like what the entrepreneurship concept. If it was a theme that came out of today and the way you guys have been able to execute it, because when you phone that friend, they also walk away going, Oh wow, that's interesting. Cause you know, whenever yeah. you answer a question or you think through something, it changes your mindset and you're like, Hmm. So I guess this way we've always done it isn't the way we always have to do it. Yeah. And we've got a lot of those, uh, whether it's our customer care or our fraud approach where now ATB is looking at it and saying like, okay, well let's make a proof of concept with this. Like, let's see how it works at Brightside. And if it does what it should do, um, then we'll put it in because it's actually really different. Well, it's really a true awesome. innovation lab because you guys aren't just sitting around talking about innovate. You're actually building a product. Yeah. Like there's an end game. There's a launch date. Even the way look in your eyes when you're like, August, like it's real. <laughs> That's super real versus sitting in a room and then just doing presentations once a month on what we thought about. Yeah. It's very different because you guys are making it real. And not throwaway innovation. And I think that's too, when you look at a mm. lot of innovation groups that get stood up, um, they often aren't trying to drive profitable innovation. The innovation doesn't always have really What's good business case or ROI behind it. And it's more to get the press releases or to say that you're participating in things versus more, saying, of, a con- more of a content play. Yeah, exactly. If you look at it from a marketing perspective. Yeah, as opposed to saying, what's this thing that's actually going to meaningfully change my business in the next year and a half? That's the time frame for it to make an impact to my business. So we're a little bit closer in if you kind of think there's a few horizons of innovation. We're not on the, the far out... What if uh, there was no currency? What if? Yeah. Um, what if blockchain changed it all? Yeah. yeah, been, yeah. We're we're definitely keeping our, our eyes open to that, but we're also trying to make a business in the next year that actually does something for the organization and does something for Albertans very meaningfully, um, and not something that we have to wait for. Well, and I think there's an interesting, I like what you said, because if you go too pie in the sky, it's really easy. If you talk about a culture that we have now, that's kind of almost like super safe and you come in with way like 10 year out kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that's tough. Like I do believe even if you're, you know, personal growth, it's steps, it's baby steps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for organizations going from like, this is the way we've always done it to like, okay, here's a new initiative, but I can, I can get my hands around 18 to 24 months, 60 months. That's, that's a different story. It's harder yeah. and scarier. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of burn between there and there. <laughs> and there's lots of different types of innovation. It could be marketing innovation, process innovation, people innovation. There's a lot of really cool things you can do that aren't just the traditional invest in it and afford looking technology that's right. super far away. Um, it doesn't all need to be blockchain and crypto and all that sort of, and AI even. AI is still pretty nascent. Um, it's really interesting, but it still needs to prove its value in a lot of ways. So it's, it's fun to talk about and look at and invest in. Um, and there needs to be that, but in the short term, are you going to get the big returns off of it yet? Probably does the, does not. the rubber meet the road? Mm-hmm. So how would you d- define innovation? Cause it's a good term and we, it gets thrown around all the time and in marketing, I don't, you know, 10 companies come and talk to me, eight of them are innovative. I'm like, okay, show me <laughs> yeah. what you're actually doing. So for the sake of this conversation, how would you define innovation? Yeah, I, I think one of the, um, I've seen so many definitions of it too. I think it's just really doing things differently is how I would say it. Okay. Um, and whether truly, truly differently, I'm going to put it, yeah, I'm going to put an emphasis on the word truly like a, like a 10 X difference <laughs> can't be the, the, the small incremental change or just doing things twice as fast. It needs to be something that really breaks a part of something or reinvents a part of something to get a very different outcome. Um, in terms of what you're trying to achieve. So that's how I'd kind of say it. At the same time, a lot of it comes down to execution. And I think a lot of that gets right. lost. There's the op- a lot. The operational side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot um, around crowdfunding or crowd ideas and things like that, which is great. Um, but at the same time, ideas are relatively easy to come up with. 
it's really the execution and the experimentation mindset to say, I took an idea and it didn't do well, or we took an idea and then we pivoted that idea. That process is actually the hard part of innovation as opposed to actual ideas about what could be done. Oh, that's so true. Good ideas come from anywhere, but it takes a team to execute. Something we've always joked to us. Someone come like, I got this great idea for this campaign or this website or whatever the case may be, usually marketing related, obviously with what we do here. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, well, I don't know how to get it done. And that's when the reality changes. Then you got to bring the right team to the table. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a good, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Innovation. Like, what are you really doing and what's the impact that it's going to, that it's going to truly have mm-hmm. to disrupt something? So from a, okay, so you kind of talked about going out of this market or get, getting your eyes. What are some of the things that we should be paying attention to that are like, is it events? Is it part? of the world where there's some real change going on like someone who's traveled and worked globally from a consulting perspective where where can we look not to copy but where can yeah. we look for inspiration <laughs> where can we look yeah I think um, there's so many interesting places I when I really want to think very far out China is the obvious one like yeah. the, the things that are happening there I was at a conference last year and um, Ant Financial which is um, kind of the Alibaba type spinoff um, they're amazing and they started a new product and they're like, yeah, we got a hundred million people in two days. Um, <laughs> and is it there? My mind is blown. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Oh, that's a great problem to have. Um, so it's really interesting just to talk to them about, cause they've had a very different context and constraints. And a lot of the ideas they are doing are really interesting about kind of social proof and, um, the way that they're doing social credits really interesting and it's all, it, it would be like what Facebook's trying to get into. So you can kind of right. look at them and say, is Facebook trying to go there? Um, so I really like going to China just for like the really crazy ideas, but their culture and their economy is so different from ours that I don't think it's quite where we'll end up. Um, okay. Just because it is fun. It is fundamentally, but again, it's what you can, what you can glean from those kind of experiences. Yeah. Okay. I, I like going to Silicon Valley a lot, um, just because it's more mature on that process. Right. And so there's ideas, um, that I've heard executives struggle with and you can go to Silicon Valley and see 30 examples of it done right. Um, and then you don't have to think it's this like really crazy idea anymore because it is actually really practical and it's right there. And there's, here's all the examples and the models for it. Um, I personally also, we go to Europe a lot just because in the banking industry, they're doing a lot of things very differently. Um, so we, we go there quite a bit just to kind of see how they're reinventing things and what kind of propositions they're making, um, value props and things like that. For Calgary, Austin's really interesting. Okay. I, it's been on my radar recently. I haven't been, but I hear a yeah. lot of like for so many different reasons. Yeah, so they call it Silicon Hills. Um, and so they're really trying to reinvent themselves and, and kind of grow that um, kind of interest in there. And I think they're doing a lot of things that are kind of similar to Alberta. They've, um, Jewel, um, the vaporizers, is based there yes. too. And yep. that's kind of a controversial industry. And they said, welcome, like come over and start up here. And so I think it's very similar to what we could see Alberta doing with cannabis, I yep. think, in terms of we're going to open our doors up and, and take a Yeah, compared risk. to other parts of the country, it's been just like basically fric- almost frictionless. I know I shouldn't say I know some people yeah. in the space and there's been some challenges, but compared to what's going on in Ontario, oh, totally. even in BC, it, like Alberta kind of acted like Alberta and just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think cannabis is a huge opportunity area for Alberta, but, um, yes, Austin's really interesting to look at. Um, San Francisco is just, is I think the best one for people to go visit. Uh, and the thing I'm always amazed about with all these places is how many people open their doors. So I've been able, whether sometimes it's through consultancies that we hire that are getting us the intro. Sometimes it's just me on LinkedIn messaging somebody and just saying, can I talk to you? You're a CTO of, a startup bank, and I want to know how you approach this problem. Uh, and they'll say, sure. And they'll get on a phone call. 
Um, and that's amazing. Or you can go visit their offices. And so I've always been amazed at how open they are sharing things when you're in non-competitive spaces. Yep. So you can go learn so quickly um, what they're doing. So I'd say the biggest thing is just getting out. Um, Toronto's okay. Vancouver's okay, but I'd say going to the more mature markets um, has really yeah, where been beneficial. Yeah, they've been doing the thing for longer. Yeah. I think what you said around, when you've got someone who's got that mindset for innovation and change and they're always learning, I find there's a little bit less of a scarcity mindset. They're mm-hmm. quicker to like just ask and they'll share with you because you know they've kind of learned what they learned from talking to people because there isn't necessarily a rule book or a course you can go take on this. You've got to see who's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> who's skinned their, because you know they've skinned their knees multiple times. Yeah, and how much they don't have figured out as well. Like There's been times where we've gone and talked to these huge companies that are idols for us and we say how are you doing this and they're like oh yeah we don't have that figured out <laughs> which is slightly like okay cool we're not in it alone we're not crazy we're not the only ones because there's easy to be in your little to, again to add your point be in your little bubble and think yeah. everyone else has the answers exactly and when you ask them oftentimes they're struggling with the same things so. yeah it's pretty awesome that way Oh, what a fantastic what a fantastic experience and, and, a, and a ride you're on I look forward to so if I want to learn a bit more about Brightside where can I go now where can someone go to check it out yeah uh, highbrightside.ca is okay. the website and then we have an Instagram handle at highbrightsider okay and what if I'm going way down what if someone wants to actually be involved or get like ask questions or you know you have these focus groups where people get to come in and kind of mm-hmm. be part of it because again I'm, I always encourage people even at the most grassroots level share your opinions be part of the change get involved <laughs> yeah if you actually sign up on the wait list um, at highbrightside.ca we actually do use that wait list as a poll for our community okay, our research awesome. community uh, and then you can get invited into that um, and then also uh, just even finding me on LinkedIn, um, I'll often do office tours if people just kind of want to go see what a Skunk Works kind of startup looks like. Um, okay. It's a little haphazard. There's dogs running around. Um, <laughs> Sounds like an agency. Yeah, like there's multiple generations of furniture based on when we were growing. And so it's a little, it's not the most beautifully designed place, but it, it's very high energy, lots of whiteboards. Everyone's collaborating. Everyone's co-located. It's, it's quite cool. That's awesome. Hey, just for fun, define Skunk Works. Um, so skunk works for me, um, and the way that it's usually used is effectively, uh, a venture outside of your venture. Okay. I love the, I love the term, but I think it's one of those terms. It's easy to glaze over and go, oh, I know what that means. A venture, yeah, really a, a kicking, venture outside of venture. Yeah. Really kicking people outside of the office to go do things differently. Um, and not having much control over it. So <laughs> that, that's the hardest part when that when, takes a mindset right there just yeah. to, just to survive and thrive in what you just described. When we started, we had three, uh, outcomes that we were given. It was get a lot of customers. Uh, and we have a number associated with that. Keep your operating costs, uh, significantly lower than the business model of ATB and don't go to jail. And outside of that, we weren't told what customer to work on, what value proposition to create, how to structure the business, what the P&L needed to look like to support those goals. We created all of that. Um, and that was up to us to figure out where the market opportunities were, what value propositions would be able to capitalize on those, and how do we actually organize to do it. And all of that was left um, to us to figure out. We had a little bit of governance. It was uh, usually a 12-pack of beer on a Friday afternoon with our C-suite. Uh, just talking about what we learned. Um, to but, really make sure you're keeping number three in check. Stay, yeah. stay out of jail. Actually, that was probably the one that they were least concerned about. They oh, were nice. mostly concerned about customers, which is, which is again, which is the Which is the right thing to be concerned about. But they weren't going to come in and say, do your process this way, or why aren't you doing this product, or you have to do this product. Or it, br- it breaks it. It yeah. breaks it immediately. And so that was Skunk Works for us, is pushing it out. And uh, they were even nervous about being too involved in it, because they knew that they'd bring in their ideas. And so having a C-suite that knew that it needed to be Well, you've got big personalities that have been, in, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Kudos for them for knowing what it takes to, like, I'll just be blunt, get out of the way. Yeah. 
but but have some goals. Like don't just go go have fun and hopefully it'll work out. Yeah. Here's our kind of three guiding you know kind of little mini north stars, but and then like go around go and build it, not be restricted. Exactly. No, kudos. That's uh, I had a lot of time and a lot of space for the ATP brand and hearing what you guys are doing and and the entrepreneurship and what they've supported and allowed you to do. That's really a cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Alex, thank you so much for coming in. It was great chatting with you, and I look forward to engaging and finding more about Brightside. Thank you. 